Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Trauma Podcast. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, the Latch Trauma Podcast is a podcast for the mothers in the trenches of motherhood. Today, we have a special guest. Kat is back with us today, and we are going to talk about sibling relationships. You're listening to Latch Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, busy mom of six and owner of LatchMama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> welcome to summer. It is uh, officially summer, which means we get Kat back because she is out of school. Are you off for the whole no, summer. I'm 12 months, so I'm working. I'm working all the time, but I took off today. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah, you for being with course. us. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Our sure. I am Kat Dillingham. I am married um, to my husband, Don. We've been married for almost 30 years, 30 years this fall. And um, we have four kids. Our oldest is 28. He's married. And our daughter is 20. I think she's 25. Ooh, sorry, Bren. <laughs> I might have gotten that wrong. I think she's 25, 24, 25. And um, I think she turns 25 this summer. Um, she's married. Um, and then we have Adam, who just turned 21. He's um, uh, finishing up an internship and going to Virginia Tech in the fall. And then Ethan, our youngest. So this is a new season for me, guys. Our youngest just left the house. Wow. He graduated from high school a couple weeks ago, and he um, he enlisted in the Marine Reserve. So he is right now at Paris Island. Wow. And it is a really strange season going from 28 years of all of the mom rhythms and routines. And, you know, you start off thinking, did they poop today? Yeah. You know, yeah. how many wet diapers did they have to all of these other different things as you move through the ages and stages. And now the house is so quiet. And I had heard this before, and it's very true. The rooms don't move. Wow. And so it's very strange. I, I literally cried for like two weeks around his leaving just because I'm not sure yet what all of this new season means and looks like. Yeah. I feel unmoored and also anchored. Yeah. And I'm curious about what this new season will bring for me and for my husband and for my life. More adventures. Yeah. Um, definitely strange. I saw a dad like a, I don't know if it was a real, it was something on social media and it was just interesting, especially to hear it from a father and a guy because I don't often hear a lot of emotion, mm -hmm. but he's like, I've never felt this many different things. Yeah. Like, you know, almost some excitement for a new stage, but also like all these sadness, like, yes. cure, like you know, worry. And, yes. and he was like incredibly overwhelmed with yes. it all. Not yes. even knowing kind of which way to kind of think and feel and sit yeah. in, you know? Yeah. So I can't imagine. Yeah, I think my husband's kind of going through that point. And when our kids were young, he was overwhelmed. I mean, it's overwhelming when you've got young kids. And, you know, as they've left, he has appreciated each one in a new way. And just this morning, his voice filled with delight. And he was like, guess what? We have a letter from Ethan coming. Aww. And it's going to come this afternoon. He was so excited I could hear that in his voice oh, that's so that's so a beautiful sweet. thing for me to see that kind of shift in him to really feel that gratitude for our children and appreciation for who they are so this is why we love having Kat here um Kat is this like beautiful shining light that comes in and tells us that it does change yes. I don't I don't want to say that like it gets better because I think there are beautiful beautiful parts of raising little people right yes. now um, and wonderful moments that I want to stay a part of but it's really nice when Kat comes because she kind of shows us what's to come um, and gives us a perspective that we may not have yet because you know we show up every week with you guys we don't have any expertise other than the fact that we're in the trenches with you guys yeah so mm. You know, it's really nice to have somebody who's kind of been through it that's at a different stage than us and, you know, can offer another perspective. So I think what we're supposed to talk about today is um, all of those little kids and how they get along with each other and don't get along with each other and what it means in terms of the rest of the world and what they learn kind of within the walls of our homes and within those relationships and how they apply those externally to the rest of the world. Um, which I think is a really, really cool topic. Um, so yeah, yeah. 
Do you want to start? Do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts that I was thinking about. And I actually asked the three kids that I was able to talk to because Ethan is unavailable to us right now. But I actually asked them also what they thought that that we did that was valuable to them. And so it's like you said, I think what we're doing as moms is we're in the trenches. We're trying to figure it out. And it's hard in those moments to understand the lasting impact of the meaning of the work, the hard work that we're doing each day, because we're not just, you know, going through these day-to-day motions of all the routines and everything. We're setting kids up for um, life. We're setting them up to be incredible human beings that interact with others well in the world. And I think our homes become places of training for how to interact with other people. So do you want to hear first what my thoughts were or what my kids said? I want to know what your kids said. Yeah. Okay. I, I, love I loved this. Thank I loved, you. Yeah, absolutely. I loved hearing what they said too. So um, one of the first things that they said was um, limiting electronics and creating opportunities for play and not spoiling um not spoiling them with very many toys. So hold we on, were really so broke. Did you get them together to answer no. this question? No, or did I you... dropped this. We have a family chat of okay. through Facebook Messenger. Okay. So this was <laughs> my Facebook Messenger. Yeah. So this I was my it. one of my it. kids. That was his his whole thing was like Was this the oldest? Yeah, it okay. was. And so we were the brokest okay. through his life. Okay. And so we didn't have a lot of money to buy all the things and um, I was just, you know, being an educator and, you know, doing a lot of my own study on child development and things like that. I have been very, very concerned about time electronics just personally. And so that's one of those things when my kids were younger, I was trying to be very intentional about. And so what from his perspective, what what the value add for him was it created these force interactive play experiences with the siblings and the fact that they didn't have a lot of um, they didn't have a lot of toys forced a kind of creative interaction Mm -hmm. between them. It's really cool. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. I have a question. Like, I want to hear more on that. But my question is, so they're now mid 20s. Yes. So this would have been eight, Before. ten years yep. ago. Yeah. What are some suggestions you can give us that are living in this technology like yeah. filled world that's almost become, yes, I can say no to that phone, but I have an almost 15 year old and the amount of communication he does with coaches and teams mm-hmm. that are almost expected mm-hmm. to have that phone mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. it really I think it puts a lot of pressure on parents mm-hmm. now we have a lot of settings on that there are limits we're figuring it out over the months like yeah. time on apps yes. this and that we have quiet shutdown time yes. things like that but it, it is still there and yes. it's very much a part of today and it, I don't see it going anywhere yeah so kind of what if you were parenting those kids today yeah what yeah. Would you do anything so, and even Ethan being, you know, 17, just leaving yeah. kind of fresh into that experience. So I guess you too. have had yes, one. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And um, I think what you're talking about is boundaries around technology. So technology in and of itself is not bad. There are so many great parts of technology, mm-hmm. but I think it's an over, over, over accessing certain parts of what technology offers that can really damage children. And so using it as um, communication tools, um, information tools, connection tools with friends and things like that are very valuable. I think it's it, it really comes down to time spent on specific kinds of apps or specific kinds of um, communication tools that can become dangerous. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the boundaries that we set up with it was not during like family times, meal times, you know, phones off and no phones upstairs in your bedroom. So we always had students, we always had our children keep their um, phones in the kitchen. And I was very, very, very firm on that. Um, some people say, well, they use it as their alarm clock. I would say get an alarm clock, pay five bucks yep. and get the alarm clock because 
even when we have restrictions on that internet access, there are ways around it. And kids yeah. are so smart. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. so much technology available to kids to get around the um, the barriers that we try to set up through in installations of right. different things. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that like, we were I was talking about this the other day, because there were some studies that recently came out about what the mental health crisis that's happening in our yes. youth um, and how much technology and not being able to have hard conversations, yes. not being able to have conversations with other human beings mm -hmm. are is actually affecting that. Um, yes. I was speaking with um, Allie, who is our um, teacher for our kids, was in town last weekend and um, her husband is doing his residency in, in family medicine up in Northern Virginia. And he was just talking about how hard it is sometimes because he has teens and kids come in with mental health concerns or even just a normal checkup and he can't get them to pick their head up from their phone and he mm -hmm. can't get them to communicate with him and mm -hmm. he's like I can't help you unless you can put words in your mouth and say them out but our kids are so into their phones and then yes. there's mm -hmm. this anxiety wrapped around actually talking so I think one of the cool points here if we bring it back to the siblings so you put the phones away mm -hmm. you have to communicate with one another within the yes. family mm -hmm. and I think that those skills and those tools and those just just simple conversations of hey you did that and it made me feel this way mm -hmm. or hey you know I didn't like that or that made me really happy or <laughs> let's go play outside or, you know, and I, I always walk this fine line with a big family. I know you do too, with like how much helping should the older ones yeah. do for the younger mm -hmm. ones, but how much of that is also teaching them a life of service and mm -hmm. teaching them, you know, yeah. how to show up for one another. Um, but I'm so thankful for those relationships yes. because I, the phones go away, the electronics mm -hmm. go away and suddenly they're in these situations where they do have to, you know, work through, you know, the different conflict and, yes. and different feelings. Yes. We just had this conversation the other day because we're kind of transitioning into the summer, mm -hmm. um, which is another reason why I would love year round schooling, but we don't. Anyways, so we just had this conversation and Nora's like, I'm bored. And I'm like, great. I love that word. <laughs> like, this is your opportunity because yeah. she gets, it's on like a parent, you know, kind of settings account she gets an hour a day yeah. where she gets she goes and watches like horse videos like yeah. she's all into horses and stuff so she gets that and I'm like okay what else are you gonna do I was like make a list so she spent like a whole day making this like calendar list and all these things and I'm like girl go dig in like the jewelry supplies go do all these things yes. like I love when her and Nellie because I have six and they all share rooms which they were always always share I rooms but I also think that brings them together it as does. well like they cut up balloons and make yes. Barbie outfits and yep. fabric things and, yes. th and I'm like go and do that like yes. it's Amazing. Yes. Go and be bored. Go and be creative. Yes. Go and make a mess. I will overlook it. Yes. Like, yeah. And I would say, I love what you said. Be um, Go and be bored. Go and be creative because the creativity will come from boredom. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love that you have set like that hour time limit on it, which is it makes your life harder, but it's so much better mm -hmm. for the kids. And I used to do those same type, type of things of setting a little time, maybe in the morning, a little time in the afternoon. And then that rest of the time is going to be filled with other kinds of things. Yeah. But they can't get creative unless they are bored. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think uh, we were uh, <laughs> so funny because we were talking about this earlier, too. I think teaching kids at this age what to do when they're bored creates those neuro pathways it of does. what they're going to do later when they're bored. Yes. Like, do we go for a walk when we're bored? Do we turn to creativity? Do yes. we draw? Do we mm -hmm. read? Yeah. Or do we go find social media, just, which can pull us into negative yep. land and comparison mm -hmm. land? Do mm -hmm. we go shame people? Do we go yeah. snark? Do we go do that? Or do we teach our kids what the healthy things are to do when their brain needs that quick fix of something, exactly. you know? And I think it's just so important to really be present at this age and, and really try to help them know what those options are. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah that's so good. Um, one of the other things that came up from my kids is um, these are kind of intertwined. So I'll share what the other two kids share because they're, they really go together. Regularly schedule family times and routines that build habits of connection and relationship and memories. Can I just pause for a second? Your kids are not that old. And the fact that they can show up in a family message with the depth and the clarity of naming the things that they know yeah. matter to them, like hats off to you. 
I couldn't do that. I mean, I pr- I could do that now after yeah. like significant years of therapy and work on myself, but I couldn't have done that at that age. Mm. So congratulations. Well, I just, I, I love and value all of that and the input yeah. and the reflection that they gave to, to this. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, would- that's because of, of you, well, you, thank you realize you. that? Okay. I just wanted to make sure you knew <laughs> that. I no, just- I think you're incredible, but I also think you'd be the first to say, my kids were normal kids at that age. They probably complained about the things. Oh, 100%. You know, like, yeah. I'm yes. sure. Yes. It was not this yes. picture-perfect no. teen years, no. young kid no. like, at all. Not at all. And in fact, as I was reflecting on that part of the the routines and the family nights, like we had Dollar Taco that my, my husband mm-hmm. started because I would work every – I would work nights um, in, in one of my previous jobs and – um, my husband started this dollar taco night every Wednesday night. Um, we had Sunday. Every Sunday was family time, and we did an activity together along with eating a meal together, and we generated those those activities together. But there were so many Sundays where I was like, our family is so dysfunctional. Yeah, I want to cry. I want to run away. I want to leave my family. So it's about seeing like there is value in just pushing through those I hard things that. and continuing. Love- to be intentional and doing it anyway Um, when they were broke or when we were broke we when they made us broke no we were broke anyway before we had them but um we we couldn't afford to do vacations we did camping trips so we would put up our tent and there were so many times where I was like you know the torrential rain is coming down and there was one year that my husband had just rescued some baby squirrels and those baby squirrels came on the camping weekend with us in the tent (laughs) and every couple of hours we had to boil water so my husband could feed the baby squirrels I'm like (laughs) why is this family like this and um and, and sibling you know bickering Uh and like we forgot the main we didn't bring enough food or whatever it would be but somehow in all of those messes what is stored in the minds of the children and in me and my husband is some of those really beautiful moments of connection and laughter and even the shared experiences of being in the pouring rain and the tents getting ready to blow off the hill and we're hating that moment it becomes a shared experience that we can laugh about later yeah so we just had we just had the stomach bug go through our house and it was a one from Mars. It was a four day long oh, nightmare. Oh gosh. And it's so interesting because it's like one of those like big family horror stories. It's one of the reasons not to have a big family. But I remember like I had two that were literally in tandem and it was the first time ever that it had happened. But every like 15 minutes they were getting sick at the same time. It was terrible. But I remember looking at Eric and like there becomes this part where like, you're so far in it that you can't get out of it. Yeah. So you might as well smile and yes. realize like you're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. But like just wrap your arms around the experience and the love and like the yes. tent blowing away, like, and the baby squirrels, like you just have yes. to look at the madness that yes. is life sometimes Yes. and just embrace what you can find to embrace. I think that is a key thing of embracing those moments, the good, the challenging Mm -hmm. ones. They become shared um, memories and stories to reflect on and laugh about. We had um, one year where our family night activity, it was like like in the winter and we turned all the lights off in the house and we were playing, um, we were playing flashlight hide and seek. Uh-huh. And so, you know, the, the house is completely dark except for this flashlight, you know, moving around, depending on who's holding it. It's like wildly moving around yeah. or slow and steady. And the doorbell rings and I go to the doorbell. It's the police officer. And the neighbor behind us thought we were being robbed. <laughs> so like that, that is oh a shared memory, memory for our family. Yeah. Of like, wow, yeah. how often does that kind of thing happen? So great. But it's so funny to listen to like their like the kids now that they're older and they can think back on experiences and they can talk about memories Mm, Yes, because it's, I don't know. It's just so interesting. Cause so in the middle of all of this disaster that we've had going on in our house, Nathan asked about Caroline, which was a very interesting thing. Nathan's the oldest. Caroline's the oldest girl. They, they knock heads quite a bit. They compete for a lot of things, but at one point Nathan's like, is Caroline okay? And Mm. I was like, what? I was like, did you just ask about your sister? And I was like, oh my gosh, Melissa, just leave it alone. Just answer the question. But then I go, hey, that was really, really nice of you to be concerned about Caroline. She, he's like, no. He's like, I just want to know if it's going to be over soon. Is, is it going to be over soon? Is she better? And I was like, oh, I should have just remembered. I like, I should have just left it be and left it like be that be the memory. But 
But I had a thought to like what you're saying and I'm thinking of just those times where everything is just so dysfunctional. You have newborns, you have no sleep, you have nothing and literally everything is in chaos. You have, there really is no family time altogether because you know, it's just absolute chaos and you feel like you're never going to have this. So why try? Because it always is a failure and my kids are going to complain. And I do want to say like, just keep trying, even if it is once a month, find the success and the joy in those memories. If you can't make, you know, every Sunday we have this and every Wednesday Mm -hmm. we have it. Like, it is okay mm-hmm. to, you know what? We mm-hmm. did a family game night this yes. month. Yeah. Like, yes, we did it. Yes. And let's try for one next month and maybe we can squeeze in two. Yes. And that is good. And that's success. And mm-hmm. that's moving forward. Yes. And because I think it's just so easy when you've got these little kids and it's just, yeah. it's exhausting. And you it's just exhausting. maybe want to cry yeah. all day and, yeah. you know, and it's so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we just, we just had a game night. Um, it was the other week or whatever. And actually I literally in the moment realized that, my two youngest twins are seven. We're spending the night at grandma's. And then my next oldest daughter had a sleepover. So it was the three older kids mm. and they are 11, 13 and fifth and almost 15. And I felt like I had no children and the two boys are sitting next to each other, which was probably a terrible decision because they're off their rockers, mm-hmm. like off their rockers. And I was constantly caught myself. I'm like, Hey, Hey, like, like it's really loud. Like your sisters are sleeping. And then I'm like, no, nobody's here. Like you can be 13 and 14 year olds. Like it is okay. And it was like, there's just this weird shift in this older kids like time. And we played an older kids game and it was really, really Mm -hmm. cool. And I thought to myself after that, I'm like, we need to do more of an older kids game night. Older kids are so fun. Yeah, they are. So it it was just kind of this interesting experience because really that had never happened before. I think it's about intentionality and that's what you're describing. Whatever your family rhythms might be, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not so much about like we do this every, like we're robotic about like how we do these things, but the intentionality of creating opportunities for the engagement piece um, and not letting life take us away where we realize we've missed the seasons. We've Mm -hmm. been so caught up in the activities of our kids or whatever life's demands that we've been swept away and we haven't stopped to live intentionally as a family. And I think that there is so much to be said for the fact that like each family's intentionality can be different totally. and we don't need to be comparing ourselves to like to social yeah. media or anything right. like that like we go to this little condo outside of Myrtle Beach and like we rent the small house next to it now but my kids think that that is Disneyland yeah they think that they 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 could be on a Galapagos like island somewhere like they literally think that it is the most marvelous expensive wonderful place yes. on earth mm-hmm. And I want them to always hold on to that, yes. you know? So it's just, it's, it, but it, it, you know, there's other people going to Disneyland and doing all of this stuff. And it's so interesting that like, like Catherine grew squash in the garden. It yeah. was what, a $5 plant. We mm-hmm. put it in, we put it in some dirt. That will be her memory. She goes out, she takes care of her squash plant. We brought squash in, she ate it. Like, it's just so cool how the yeah. littlest I things that. that you do together as a yeah. family can be just such marvelous memories for them. Yeah. Your hair's stuck on your mic, so it looks uh, like a... I'm just like going to fix beard. it for you. Yeah, there you go. It's like my, my tattoo on the back. <laughs> I, I think what you're talking about with that squash, too, that's the part of that my older was saying about, like, not spoiling children. Uh-huh. Because there becomes an expectation that kids have of, I need to have all of these things in order to connect with you. I need to have all of these big experiences to make memories. And it's really sometimes the the very simple things that will make the biggest memories for our children. Yeah. Yeah. God, I love that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. The one thing I always hear from my kids, at one point we did this Wednesday movie night. Mm. Now, sometimes it works. Sometimes they would hit on like after hours Mm -hmm. and it just wouldn't work. But it is the one thing that I always will hear from them. They're like, Mom, it's Wednesday. Yeah. And we would get like a couple Mm -hmm. of things of ice cream from Aldi with like some toppings. And it just... It was like this big, mom, it's movie night. So and I'm like, that. we're not even going like yeah. to yes. see a movie. It's yeah. like literally something free on Amazon yes. or something. But it was, it was movie night. Yeah. Like, Being together. Like yes. trying to so like, that's what they remember. Yeah. And create this little like family. Yes. Like, and I know, I guess it is a family, but it's like this yeah. little like 
my little lion cubs and they all have different relationships yeah. with each other. And some days they're all, they're off or whatever, but those <laughs> moments mm-hmm. where one meets the other one and mm-hmm. what like that other one needs, like, yeah. or maybe gets in front of me on my way to go do, but then like they do exactly either what I would have done or they can sense what that their sibling needs. Oh my gosh, I like turned to a puddle on the floor. I love that. Yeah, so it's true. so interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that also goes back into this expression I think about a lot is we teach what we know, we reproduce who we are. So as as you are living out mm-hmm. with your children this interest in them and and you know um, encouraging them to take interest and concern over each other you are reproducing yourself in your children because we can talk and teach, but we will reproduce who we are in them. And so how we live is a really powerful, is more powerful than the words that we say. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really deep. That's really really deep, but it's really, really good. It's really reassuring. It goes back to your actions. It's the time. It is. It's a conversation, you know, going to sit next to him yeah. instead of me maybe picking up my book because my oldest daughter is just a straight reader. Like she will just devour. I will buy her a series of mm. like massive books and it's gone in a week. But maybe instead of me picking my book, it's going to sit, yeah. maybe interrupting her for five minutes on her book yes. and asking her about that or just yes. being next to her and just, yes. yeah, and I think doing that there's, more of that. I don't know. Yeah. To me, when you say that. It gives me like a sense of peace and relief knowing that just showing up and doing my life in front of my children. So living my life with generosity and love and truly being me and who I am is going to impact them just as much as those moments where I say, hey, let's actually use our words or let's not hit your brother or whatever. Just literally, you know, kissing my husband in the kitchen or showing affection or whatever is literally demonstrating to them, you know, who they, I don't know. I don't know. 100%. Yeah, good traits and whatever. So that's interesting. I had a question. This is a little bit off that, but back like to siblings, yours when they were growing up, did they go and support each other in what, whether it's sports or activities or things like that, because I think that is really important. And I've noticed it in, we're doing like summer swim, right? Now I have a year round swimmer, but then we have some other siblings that are swimming, but they're, that's not their sport, Mm -hmm. but they kind of get to see what that um, year round kiddo puts in it. And then I got to see my year round kiddo, like Nora was up about Mm -hmm. to swim and Gabe came up behind her and like gave her a a hug and like a high five and like you got this. And, and it kind of made me thinking, you know, like we have a dance recital tomorrow. Now, not all of them are coming, but I have extra tickets for some of the siblings, but I do, I think it's important for them to, to see Mm -hmm. what their sibling puts in, you know, to their activity. Yeah. And vice versa. And I think they get to teach each other a lot through that. Did you guys do that? I totally agree. Yes, we did. And there were seasons where like if I had a newborn and I was out there with my oldest son's things where I might think maybe I'll leave the toddler at Mm -hmm. home because it just gets so hard to bring everybody. But we did try to have, have each other there to support each other because I do think that's really important that we are a family that supports each other in whatever we're doing. And so we did a lot of that rallying around each other. I think it's really important and it's really hard not to raise selfish children. Um, we, we all, you know, we can all have that bend to selfishness. So I'm sitting there, I'm at this meet, I'm hot, I'm not swimming, I don't want to be here, but life's not all about me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes right. life is about cheering on someone you love or learning a habit of cheering on someone you love. And I think that's really important. Ultimately, their siblings will outlast us. And so investing in those relationships now where they can cheer for each other, I think is important, mm-hmm. even if they complain and they don't want to be there. Yeah. I, I think it just it just goes into this bigger yeah. thing that I've seen of them really teaching each other yeah. things. Like I often say, like, certain kids have taught me mm-hmm. specific Yes. Things, whether it's about emotion or, yes. you know, things like that. And I think they can teach each other a lot. Yes. We had a moment last night where I was taking a shower, of course, you know, so of course the whole house falls apart while that happens. <laughs> um, How dare you? And Nathan and Alex, who are my two oldest, come running into the bathroom. And Nathan or Alex says <coughs> to me, he said, 
he was they were yelling and they were happy because everybody's better now well everybody but one is better now so everybody's personalities are coming back so it's just like and it's actually i'm not even like i'm still in that oh my gosh i'm so happy everybody's better just be crazy like stage um but alex looks at me and goes i made fun of nathan's reading and I was like, okay. I was like, well, why? And he's like, well, he made fun of my speech. So I told him that he can't read well, very well. And I was like, okay. I was like, Alex, I was like, do you feel better making fun of Nathan? He's like, no. He's like, but it just seemed like the right thing to do. And like they made up and they were laughing and it was fine. But it was like this, uh, you know, Nathan hit him with a low blow from someplace that he needs to, that he works on, you know, and they, yeah. they both each have their thing. Alex still goes to reading at age not or speech at age nine and Nathan has a reading tutor and you know they go back and forth on the fact that they both have to stop their lives to do these certain things and work on it and we talk about how everybody has things to work on yeah um but it was interesting because in a family situation I wasn't too incredibly concerned that they both did the low blow back and forth because they were laughing and they were but I had to stop and say hey guys like it's okay right now because you guys are laughing and you know that it's okay I said but we can't react that way as human beings in life. Like when somebody Mm -hmm. hits you low, you don't go lower. Right. Like, you know, we're going to, we're going to embrace it. We're going to say, you know, like, let's talk through this. Let's try and go a little bit higher with it. But it's just so interesting because they are going to act differently. Right. At Mm -hmm. home when they're comfortable, Mm -hmm. when they feel safe Mm -hmm. than they are out there. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. balancing the fact that you don't Mm -hmm. just hit somebody when Mm -hmm. you really don't want to come up with your words as a toddler, you know, like as a four or five year old, when you really don't want to say that made me mad. And instead you just smack your sister across the face. Like, right. Are they going to do that if they were in school? I don't know. Hopefully not. But (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the it's the balancing of, hey, you know, we're going to discipline this because. Yeah. At the end of the day, that was something that I was reflecting on. What you did um, was something I thought did add value to the relationships that the kids had is trying to not act as a referee, but Mm -hmm. act as a facilitator Mm -hmm. between the two. So what you did was you were asking questions about and having them identify feelings and talking about um, long term effects on their relationship and when to watch for damage. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's easy as parents to kind of go in referee mo- mode you know you're right you're wrong or everybody go to your room and sometimes mm-hmm. that's just survival everybody go to your room because yeah. Yeah. you're about to like you know blow a gasket as a mom but I think encouraging that facilitating the discussion back and forth where yeah. they are each looking at each other speaking directly to each other not speaking to me and I'm speaking to to the other child but that direct um, f- that direct conversation and communication between children helps um, them learn to communicate, identify feelings and communicate their needs also. Is there still conflict sometimes between your kids as they're older? There is sometimes. Um, We just, so we just went to Nashville for spring break and there were a couple of times where my mommy ears kind of perked up of, I don't think that was a really nice thing to say, but where I am now at this stage is depending on who said it, like, cause I, I've parented, I've really parented through high school graduation. Like if you're in high school, I'm going to parent you. And if you're not in high school, you've got to learn how you want to live your life. You've really got to make those decisions and internalize for yourself. What kind of person do I want to be? And what kind of life do I want to have? But when you're, in high school, like if it was Ethan that said it, mm-hmm. I was going to say something to him. If it was one of the older kids, I might like be a little, I might choose not to say anything or I might find a really careful way to address it. But if it was Ethan because mm-hmm. of his, mm-hmm. because of his age, I might be more direct on it. Yeah. But it, but it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen a lot. But there's, there's those little, it, that just that little mean kind mm-hmm. of thing that isn't necessary or helpful. Yeah. Um. Because I think any of us, you know, any of us can say something mean and thought, thoughtless. But is it a con- like? Do you see continuity <laughs> between who's making the comments now as an adult and how they somehow acted in the? pecking order when they were younger that is a great question I will say my oldest one and I tell him this all the time he gives hope to all moms because he was so hard to parent 
so incredibly hard to parent. And I have like, I mean, education for early childhood development and counseling and all these things. And I'm like, I cannot parent this kid. Like he was so hard. You tell him no. He he's personality. Is it like the oldest? It was part of his personality. Just like run against the troop. Like whatever. Here's the line. I'm going to cross just because I can prove to you I want to cross that line. So in that way, it doesn't necessarily match because he has become the most incredible man. He is so thoughtful and concerned and so like locked in with emotional intelligence and discerning and intuitive and responsive. And so, you know, I see some of those personality traits of like leadership, those things are still there. But over the course of time, I can see in all the kids, you know, Ethan's still 17, you know, and, you know, he he wants to rule the world. That's his life goal is to rule the entire entire universe. Um, So I don't know how that's going to go. But I can see some of those traits that were there in early childhood you know, maybe a specific tenderness or a leadership quality or discernment or wisdom, um, a, a gift, a bend toward like acquiring and processing knowledge and information that is still there. But there's been a temperament and um, refinement and maturity that I can see even in their 20s. And I will say, I feel like they are, they are living at a higher level than I was in my 20s awesome. for sure. That's what we're supposed to do. I Generationally, was, just keep yes, getting better, right? Yes. It's yeah. awesome. That's really And really I cool. love the facilitating because, you know, I talk to my kids all the time because I have one that just, I don't know, he just sometimes will repeat these things that he knows he shouldn't do. And they're not terrible. It's like either hop on the screen before he's done his shower and his, de- you know, just like stuff like that. But he's like, I, you know, he's so hard on himself and uh, for making a mistake. And yeah. I keep trying to be like, the mistakes are happening. Like, you're going to make a mistake tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. You're going to keep on making the mistake. So I guess my thing is when coming back to a conversation, if, you know, someone says something in the not the kindness way or mm-hmm. doesn't choose the best words, I try to, I guess, talk to my kids, you know, if you're on the receiving end, okay, well, how can you stand up for yourself and say, hey, yes. this did... Th- you know, the, the way that you said that, it really didn't hurt. But then also the education on that flip side of the person who maybe made the, I don't even, not even a mistake, but said the wrong thing is to be receptive to that Absolutely. and say, yeah, actually, I could have said it like this. And I, it takes a long time. A long, it's hard. Even adults, I think. Yeah. But but you help at that point. If you're an adult child, you know, you're all sitting there, says something that oh, kind of hits yeah. like your mommy. You hope that that other sibling that, you know, I've done everything I can to kind of help them strong enough to say hey man you know 100 percent, not pretty cool and then you hope that other person's like yeah okay i got you like i'm really sorry or or whatever but um i don't know those are kind of some of the conversations that i have like between the boys or whatnot i mean we're nowhere near that it's like the same conversation over the time but i'm really just kind of fingers crossed that i'm trying to do my best and that 10 years down the line you know you hope that they look back and yeah. maybe remember some of these times that, yeah, my mom told me to do that. I they mean, will. I do it with my mom now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On things that I remember from high school. Um, do you have more notes for us? Yeah. I do. I, I thought I th- was thinking I had one that connected with that, too. But um, give us more. I love this. Okay. So <laughs> one of the things is thinking about be, be, being careful of labeling our children with, like, the smart one, the mm-hmm. sensitive one the um hard one the hard yeah (laughs) the the hard one one. the difficult child um being really careful of labels um that we are seeing uh those strengths i think that really kind of connects in what you're what you're talking about too like seeing those strengths in our kids and then like calling them out but not boxing them into any specific thing because if you're the smart one then who am i I can't be Mm. the smart one if you're the smart one. And so being really careful that we don't put labels on our kids and box them in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, add that that to the things to work on. Add that to the the things. And I, I think that when we do that mentally, I think, I don't know. I think it's really hard because I know how to hit all. I mean, the baby's still a baby, but five of them, you know, if I were to look at all five of them in my brain, I don't have them labeled as the smart one or whatever, but I do know how to meet their needs very, very easily. And it does come down to the fact that, you know, 
Caroline's the creative one. Alex has the engineer brain. You know, Nathan wants to be around his people. He's the extroverted one. And I mean, I think you're completely correct. It's just hard not to, you know, label them that way. And I think what you're talking about, too, is like responsive parenting. Yeah. Like learning to see how they're wired Mm -hmm. and then maximizing some of those ways that they're made Mm -hmm. um, while also helping boost up some of those areas of struggle for them. And I think that's different than capping them into that place of the engineering one um, you know, putting a cap on them that they might not be able to emotionally connect with someone or yep. something. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of lines up with like creating a spirit of cooperation rather than competition. Yep. Because if I feel like I'm not enough, it's going to bring out from me a competitive nature with my sibling mm-hmm. of I've got to be better than you, smarter than you, work harder than you, amass more than you. And what I want, want them to do is kind of like going back to cheering each other on. Yeah really seeing that value and your value and your skills don't take from me because I'm enough as I am. We always have this and and I don't know, maybe it's saying the wrong way, but kind of celebrating the differences, noticing the differences because I love that they're all different. Yes. And I think, you know, I have a couple that will be like, what's wrong? Like, why do I do that? Like so-and-so eats all these Mm -hmm. foods and I don't, or I always get, you know, really emotional about things, but my brother doesn't and things like that. And, we really talk about how differences are 100% okay and yes. like to be you and things like that. And then I think this goes back to where our kids can teach each other yes. things. Mm-hmm. They can help them be more aware of certain things yes. and, you know, vice versa. But, yeah, yeah I, it's just so, such a good point about trying not to box in. You yeah. can work on all the things yeah. but someone might be really strong in in one area. Yes. Um, I have yeah. a question before we wrap up. So I feel like the three of us are talking about a way of parenting and a way of kind of like, you know, building our families and stuff that may be a little atypical in kind of society now, like in terms of just making sure there's family time and making sure that like there's really a commitment to being together and building those relationships where I feel like a lot of what I see in terms of other families or other moms or is like this competitive, like, no, you must go to swim practice at night so you can be the best swimmer instead of having family dinner. And I know Eric and I default 99% of the time to, no, we're going to be together because this is important to us and this is important to how we raise our kids. Um, So like, you know, hey, we're not going to cancel movie night tonight because swim practice was canceled this morning and it's tonight. We're going to actually have time as a family because the family comes first and our relationships come first. Do you have any advice on how to kind of navigate choosing family and togetherness over this very super competitive like world that we're living in right now? I love that question, Melissa. I think it is really critical that we all reflect on that because it's all about where are we going? Um, There is a documentary that I saw when my oldest was a freshman in high school. It's called The Race to Nowhere. And if someone is struggling with really looking at this performance orientation piece and we got to be the best and I got to get all these, they can't lose traction. We've got to make sure they don't lose any seasons of sports. They got to be traveling. We've got to have every kid and everything and doing all the things. I would encourage that person to watch that um, documentary. It is haunting. And when I watched it, I cried because I could see some of myself in that mindset Mm -hmm. and it is toxic and it's destructive. What I can see on the other side of being in the middle of that is that so many families that I was looking at the outside of their families Mm -hmm. during those years and thinking, wow, how are they producing this kind of like high competency in this particular area? And it was just like, man, their, their child is so athletic. They've got straight A's every year, all the years, um, And what I have seen is some results that are tragic, that came sometimes in high school, sometimes in college, sometimes in early adulthood here, that are really tragic. And I think it is deceptive to judge the the inside of someone's home by looking at the outside of someone's home. Or even the inside of those kids, because it's interesting, because I think that... 
a lot of us that were raised that way because I was definitely raised like, hey, you need to go get straight A's. Like you yeah. need to, you know, get the D1 college scholarship. Like that is how I and I don't know if it was just me or my parents or whatever, but that was how we've talked about it, mm-hmm. how our self-worth was defined. Like yeah. that was how I defined my self-worth. And yeah. it's interesting totally now performing. in my 40s as I'm raising kids mm-hmm. and doing the work on myself to realize that is not what I want for my kids. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to be able to name their feelings and mm-hmm. know that they're worth more than mm-hmm. whatever is on a report card or yeah. on a field. But it feels so different than a lot of – it feels different to me because my brain is wired with the mm-hmm. fact, oh, wow, that kid's playing travel soccer mm-hmm. and going to get a scholarship and whatever. And my kid just wants to play rec and, mm-hmm. you know, hang out with his family at mm-hmm. night, you know, and like – like where the right where's the right yeah. answer because are we supposed to be you know creating these these <coughs> kids that are superstars because you can't really have both you can't have kids around the dinner table at night talking about their days and their challenges and these things that just make my mom heart so happy and I feel like I'm doing it right you can't have that and probably the D1 athletes that are you know what I'm saying so I like do. where and I think it's even harder today I think you know, when I too. think back, because I was a Division One scholarship athlete, mm-hmm. um, but back then, what I played, I literally started in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Today, yeah, I mean, school. it is a whole yes. different ball game, and you know, I do have a couple athletes. They do enjoy what they do, but I'm not going to be that one that. Yeah. Oh, and do you want to play in college or no? And um, what was I going to say? And I've always said, like, I have a swimmer. Now, honestly, in my opinion, swimming is his therapy. It's, yeah. it's, it's not just a sport. So I'm hoping that he will continue to swim regardless of what it is. But like, he doesn't go, honestly, the expectation of the week. I've, and, and up front, I say, this is what we can commit to. Not mm-hmm. only because we have six kids, mm-hmm. but also because this kid could get burnt out and yes. I need him loving that water for yes. his brain, yes. for his physical, like yes. not just the sport, like as his therapy, yes. but it is so hard it's, these days with the expectations I feel like. But it it's so hard because I look at Lindy right now in this moment and I admire you so much for that parenting decision. But yes. then there's this other side of my brain that says, holy crap, he is so talented. And are you wasting his national, his, his natural talent? He could be an Olympian. Da, 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 da. What happens if he was practicing twice a day? And that's this side of my brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's hard. Are you, which which side are you doing? Are you doing what's best for him as a human being? But then I look at somebody like Michael Phelps, who struggled with uh, mental health for thank you. years now. And look at that. He was up at the top. He was there. You know, the conversation I've been having a lot with my kids lately is that I think there are <laughs> consequences is not the word. It's drawing a blank out of my mind. Drawbacks? No. What? What is it? Oh gosh! Podcast. No dead air, Lindy. No No dead dead air. Um. Dang it! Just things you have to give up. Yeah. What is that? Like a trade-off? Like yes. Uh huh. So no matter what, if you're gonna straight pursue maybe Mm -hmm. academics, like Mm -hmm. you don't have time for everything. If you truly want to be Mm -hmm. the best athlete you can. And that's what you want. I will 100% support you. But I can tell you right now, you are not going to have the friendships that maybe you want. You're not going to have the depth. You're not Mm going to have the time for other things. Mm -hmm. There are things you're going to have to give up no matter what avenue. Mm -hmm. If you want to truly pursue like an excellence in an avenue. You know what I'm saying? So what kind of balance do you want? But do we celebrate What what do you want? We don't celebrate people for being good human beings. I mean, that's how no, we started exact- when you came in here. You said yeah. it's the most draining thing ever to show up every day and be a good human being because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's not what we celebrate. Mm-hmm, right. We don't celebrate these beautiful sibling family relationships. Like I will sit here and celebrate the fact that you had kids who showed up that way to answer those questions because mm-hmm. I think it's the most beautiful thing in the entire world. Mm-hmm. But who's going to sell like people yeah. celebrating that in the world? Right. I think it's the difference between being and doing. And our culture really promotes the doing piece. Not all cultures do promote that. Many other cultures, I I, I love, like I was in Uganda um, last summer for a couple of weeks, and that's a culture that really celebrates being and and just really can anchor themselves deeply in relationship and connection that is incredible. American culture recognizes, celebrates, values the doing before the being. But I believe everything we do comes from who we are. And what we need to focus on as moms is who we are, because the doing will flow from that. So if we build up, if we build up a child, for example, that loves swimming, and then eventually he chooses from a full self, a full, confident, 
um, secure self to pursue this in a bigger way, mm-hmm. then that's great. If he's, if he's, it's, that's the being before the doing. And I think now we have the doing before the being. And what's happening is people are realizing in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, in their teens, I hate my life. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to look at where we are in terms of mm-hmm. being and look at those core parts of like that soul care, who yeah. we are, who we are. Like, are we like, you can't just be a swimmer. Like, who are right. we? Like what right lights, right. Our, right. Light, yeah. lights are fire. Cause I can tell right. you when you turn into a mother, yeah. you got to know those things. Yes. Cause you can't be a swimmer and a mother, you know, or swimmer but what's dad. so hard. Like, I mean, and I'm sure we've talked about it. That's how we grew up. So it's yeah. not yeah. just learning for them. It's mm-hmm. learning like for us. Totally. I often catch Absolutely. myself. Me too. And I, I was just even like, it when like you were the about summer it. swim thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's a conversations with more. She has not been to one practice. Yeah. Like it's not her thing. I mm-hmm. totally get it. And really we do it. I'm like, go socialize, mm-hmm. like make a friend because yeah. you might want to stay after practice yeah. at the pool with them. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what I see from this yeah. whole thing. Yeah. She hasn't been to one practice. I don't know how many weeks have been starting. <laughs> so she goes to the meet last night, but I know she can get down the pool and back. Yeah. I right. really don't care how yeah. fast she swims. Right. Yeah. She had an absolute ball. Yes. She did her events. Yeah. She did them just fine. And I'm like, yeah, Nathan why are asked we here? Me. This is why we're yeah. here. Yeah. I really don't care how yeah. many you practice you go Absolutely. to. But then on the flip side, like my performance race yeah. thing, I'm like, you haven't been, you haven't. And I'm like, Oh, it's Nick. just such a wrestle back and forth. It is. You know? Nathan asked me on the way to the swimming on Tuesday night. He's like, Mom, he's like, maybe this year. He's like, can I play in between my events? He's like, can I just go yeah. socialize? Because mm-hmm. in the past, I've made him sit down. I've made him drink. I've made him yeah. get in the water, swim fast. And I looked at him and I was so proud of myself because I said, absolutely, buddy. I was like, I don't care. I, I was like, that. just have fun. Yes. And I was and I think it was because I was coming off of this very stressful week of parenthood. Yeah. And I was just happy he was well enough to go to the meet. But I don't freaking care anymore. Just yeah. be yeah. a good freaking human being. Yeah. E- like, but even the same a- with yeah. my swimmer, which yeah. I tend to kind of have that little bit more yeah. of a performance with him because that yeah. is his sport. Yeah. He was literally lounging over with a 30 count nugget from Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I mean, he had his cap with him and his pajama PJs, yeah. but he's literally up in three heats and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, just nuggets. Yeah. And I'm like, please just don't throw up in the pool. But yeah. like, I, I just, care. I didn't I even care. He yeah. was having the best time socially. And yeah. for him, that was just so, so, cool. so important. Yeah. And it was so cool. All right. We've got, yeah. we've got to wrap we this got up. Stop. We what is it? An hour for like three more hours. <laughs> I love so it. let us know if you guys want to keep hearing us talk with Kat. <laughs> but yeah, I don't even know what we talked about this week. I think we talked about siblings. We talked about human beings, but uh, this is what happens when Kat's here. Thank you. Yeah. We My adore pleasure. you. I love being here. Um, thank you. Thanks for showing us what is to yeah. come in our mm-hmm. lives. We appreciate the perspective. Mm-hmm. Bye guys. Bye.